Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, some recent good news for workers on the Iron Range, a tax return preview, and it's not baseball season yet, but the Twins are ready for the road. But first... I hereby call the Senate into order. Lawmakers are back in St. Paul as the legislature began its 2017 session this week in the newly renovated state capitol. Legislators have a lot on their plates, and MN's Bill Werner joins us to bullet point the big items, which are... Well, Scott, a new two-year state budget is job number one, but debate on that will not start until after Governor Mark Dayton rolls out his budget proposal in a few weeks, and then lawmakers will wait to see what the latest state revenue forecast shows. That comes out at the end of February. But one issue that is on on lawmakers' plates immediately is skyrocketing health insurance premiums for those buying through the Minshore Exchange. Even before the opening gavel kicked off the legislative session on Tuesday, Governor Mark Dayton called on lawmakers to put a bill on his desk this week. Provide this relief to about 125,000 Minnesotans who otherwise are not receiving any assistance with the premium increases that they've received for this year. Is, is time urgent because the open enrollment period ends January 31st and Minnesotans are still making decisions about what level of health care uh, coverage they can afford. So knowing that they're going to get this uh, relief is just vitally important to their decisions and we need uh, to act on it immediately. We asked House Speaker Republican Kurt Dowd if they can meet the governor's call for quick action. I think we can pass it off the floor probably uh, next week. Are we going to have to have something linked to some sort of list of long-term, an agreement on some outline of long-term reforms in order to do the short-term reforms? I I don't know that yet. We're going to remain flexible, but most important, we want to help Minnesotans out who are hurt by this crisis and then put in place the long-term reforms that will make sure that we don't repeat this on January 1st of 2018. But the details are the difficulty. Probably the most contentious is Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka's push for reinsurance. That's a term that means the state would pick up the cost of health insurance for those patients with extremely serious conditions who need what's called catastrophic coverage. If we don't take care of spreading out that high-risk pool to a broader number of people, the rates are going to be super high again next year, and we didn't solve anything. So, But there's a number of things we need to talk about, but I hope that we can get it done ASAP. Will the reinsurance piece have to move along with the short-term relief, or are you willing to let them go separately? You know, it doesn't happen have to happen that way, but that's that's the way I think it should happen. Uh, the, the, that one reform and some others that we can agree on are, are really important to get us out of this problem for 2018. And if we don't do them early in session, then we set ourselves up for problems next year. Governor Dayton responded, I will not sign a bill that has reinsurance because of the cost. It's... $500 million is the cost we estimated for reinsurance for this year's increases over the biennium. Before week's end, Republicans in the House and the Senate rolled out a proposal with some features that the governor proposed earlier, namely those facing big health insurance premium increases on Minsure, would get a 25% rebate paid by the state, but only for the first three months of the year. After that, it would be dependent on income, which the Dayton administration warns could take months to implement. I'm all for income limits, and, and if you make an accurate evaluation, but you've got to take the the real world into account here. And although the GOP proposal does not include reinsurance, 
It does have some other long-term reforms that Democrats say need serious review, something that they say cannot be done in a week or two. Republicans attempt to bring their proposal up for a vote on the House floor just hours after they rolled it out on Thursday. Brought nothing but partisan finger-pointing. Democrats warning it would... Skip the process where members of the public get to come in and testify about the bill. We have a choice. We can get going today and start working on it, or we can continue to play political games. Republican Majority Leader Joyce Pepin. Democrats then asked for an immediate vote on the plan that legislative leaders talked about just before Christmas. This is the provision that everyone said that we should do without delay. That's Minority Leader Melissa Hortman. Republicans said no to voting on that plan, so there will be hearings next week at the Capitol, presumably followed by votes in the House and the Senate, and then probably conference committee negotiations with the governor. But what it comes down to, Scott, is we don't know yet how soon this health insurance premium relief package will become law. Other big items this week, Bill? There's a lot brewing, but one particularly significant item. Governor Dayton unveiled his bonding proposal for state public works projects this week. A bonding bill is something the legislature tried to get done last year when it's supposed to in an even-numbered year, but things fell apart in the closing minutes of the 2016 regular session because of a dispute over light rail funding for the Twin Cities. Dayton and Republicans tried over the summer to get agreement so he could call a special session, but that did not work either. So now a fresh bonding bill the governor is proposing has a price tag of $1.5 billion in state borrowing. This is catch-up, and uh, that's why it's so vital to be done in this first month of the legislative session in January so that these projects can, can be ready to go uh, when construction season begins. Rochester Republican Dave Sanjum, who chairs the Senate Capital Investment Committee, says about the governor's $1.5 billion bonding proposal. We're probably just not going to go that high. I'm very sure about that. Sanjum suggests a template for a new bonding bill could be the bill that died in the closing moments of last year's session, which was just shy of $1 billion. We had uh, fairly strong bipartisan support, actually, on both sides, House and Senate, and to bring that forward and use that as the blueprint uh, for framing up a bonding bill for this session. But there are issues other than the dollar amount of a bonding bill. With the $2 billion tax increase four years ago and now having a big surplus, still $1.4 billion, we think there should be some tax relief as well. That's Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. Also complicating the discussion is Democrats and Republicans continued wrangling over how to pay for new road and bridge projects in Minnesota. Minnesotans, particularly in greater Minnesota, are very concerned about the road and bridge infrastructure. Says House Speaker Republican Kurt Dow. Governor Dayton has said the only way to raise enough money to improve Minnesota's transportation system is a gas tax increase. There are indications he's still set on that. Republicans say absolutely not. Scott? Thanks for that report, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. As a young teenage boy, I didn't even know what autism was. How do you even spell that? A few years later, I heard that a friend's cousin's son had been diagnosed with autism. I still wasn't sure what that really meant. When I went to college, my roommate's brother had autism. When I moved to the city for work, my best friend called me and told me his son had been diagnosed with autism. We were both in shock. I still remember the day I walked into the house and saw that look on my wife's face. I knew something was wrong. I'll never forget how I felt when she said, Our son has autism. Autism is getting closer to home. Today, one in 110 children is diagnosed with autism. That's a 600% increase in the last 20 years. 
Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. When U.S. Steel recently announced its plans to call back a couple hundred employees at its Keytac plant in Keewatin, it was cause for celebration in the region. One of those celebrating, U.S. Congressman Rick Nolan. I recently spoke with him about the reopening of the Keytac plant. Well, there's the, the iron range has been pretty discouraged in recent years, and then uh, we finally got a 1,000 miners uh, back to work at Cliffs Natural Resources, and we got a $65 million new investment by Cliffs, and now U.S. Steel is announcing the uh, reopening of the TTAC plant, where an estimated uh, a couple hundred uh, miners will be going back to work. And uh, and uh, Masabi Nugget and SR are both under new management and holding some promise. And then that's all, uh, quite frankly, the, the product of a of a great team effort. The steel companies, the steel workers unions, the community leaders. Uh, quite frankly, President Obama and his administration, and those of us in Washington, who push for higher tariffs uh, and countervailing duties on all this cheap subsidized steel that was being dumped in this country by China and uh, and some other trade cheater nations. We got tariffs and taxes on their imports now up as high as 500 percent. So as the uh, the glut of that cheap subsidized steel in the market gets consumed, uh, it's not pouring in like it used to, and uh, things are going to continue to get better. And uh, there's a whole team effort that fought hard for these, and uh, hopefully the new president will stand by them. Uh, as they sit, these tax trade uh, taxes and tariffs are, are good for five years. And we have some other efforts underway to curb the currency manipulation. Um, uh, President Obama formed a World Steel Council made up of the Europeans, United States, uh, India, uh, Brazil, some of the other uh, countries to let China know we're all joining together to stop them from dumping all of this cheap subsidized steel of theirs into our markets and so that they need to cut back on their production or they're going to have to eat it. So I think it portends, uh, you know, good things for the future and uh, for hopefully a long time into the future. And that sort of leads to my next question, Congressman. Are are there more long-term solutions coming up? Uh, you know, you mentioned the tariffs being in effect for five years. Beyond that, are there some long-term solutions that you're looking at? Well, there are. Um, I've been meeting with the, uh, the president's uh, a national security advisor and the recent meeting of the the the, the G20 meetings um, they established a world food uh, world food uh, well they have a do have a world food council but a, a world steel council and it's uh, made up of the Europeans uh, the United States uh, India uh, Brazil um, to form a coalition to uh, persuade China to stop all of their uh, overproduction and let them know that it's not just the United States that's not going to let them dump it in the, in the United States. The other countries, uh, developed countries of the world, are not going to allow them to dump it into their markets either. Uh, a good vital mining and steel industry is so critical for not just us, but for everyone's uh, economic well-being and national security. So that's one of the things we're working on uh, long run, plus uh, been working with Treasury, 
to develop some uh, ways of dealing with the currency manipulation that the Chinese and some others have become masterful at. And we're, we're trying really hard to take the cyclical nature out of the price of ore and steel um, so that we don't have uh, these boom and bust and uh, these gluts and surpluses that are so disruptive of our economies and, of course, the, the men and women who work in, in mining and steel production. Uh, Congressman, this latest news about KeyTech is relatively fresh. Have you heard from constituents that uh, this impacts since the news came out? And if so, what have they had to say? Oh, they're very, very, very positive, very excited. And I've maintained pretty close relations with um, with, with U.S. Steel and, and all of their various mines. And um, they have been using the production out of KeyTech to supply um, a, a, a mill called uh, Granite City in Illinois. And they make tubular goods. And while the overall markets for uh, pellets and, and steel domestically has been improving um, because of a slowdown in the oil fields and opposition to some of the pipelines around the country, the, uh, the tubular goods have, have taken a, a special, especially uh, bad hit in, in all of this. So the good news is, is that the overall market conditions have enabled um, the KeyTac mine to contract with other mills for the first time uh, around the country uh, for supplying them uh, with pellets. So even though Granite City is not open up, uh, which is where they were sending all of their pellets, and it's a, it's a mill that they own, uh, they've developed these other markets, and uh, they are still hopeful that Granite City will be opening up too here in the not too distant future. They have a skeleton crew there maintaining its readiness to open up. So um, the fact that uh, other mills now are are looking for pellets uh, is a good sign, and that KeyTech, U.S. Steel has uh, jumped in to um, uh, supply uh, the, 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 those those pellets is a, a good sign for that that there's a lot of confidence about the the improvements in the markets that have taken place in the past year. The price of, uh, of iron ore has doubled. Um, the uh, uh, amount of uh, steel imports coming in has been dramatically reduced, and uh, the future looks good. So uh, that's why people are stepping up and investing in Masabi Nugget and SR Steel, and hopefully we get those operating. And it has such a wonderfully good spillover effect in uh, the whole economy, you know, for drug stores and grocery stores and hardware stores and all the various uh, support uh, services for mining, the engineering, the service companies. So um, it, it, it's, it's a good, good way to start the new year. I know that there are a lot of people in the region and beyond that agree with you on that. Production at the plant is set to resume in March. I want to thank my guest, U.S. Congressman Rick Nolan. Minnesota Matters will return after this. If your walls could talk, what would they say? I have held the same mirror for 13 years. I have been decorated with purple dinosaurs, baseball teams, and football helmets. I have witnessed 33 Thanksgiving dinners and one wedding proposal. I have tiny notches marking the growth of three children. I have caused a learning disability. I am the reason that a fifth grader simply can't sit still. I am responsible for a five-year-old's rage. Just because you can't see lead paint doesn't mean it's not on walls, doors, windows, and sills. 
Today, lead paint poisoning affects over 1 million children. If your home was built before 1978, your family could be at risk. Let's make all kids lead-free kids. Log on to leadfreekids.org or call 800-424-LEAD. I am the reason a child has trouble hearing. If your walls could talk, what would they say? Brought to you by the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning, EPA, HUD, and the Ad Council. Don't you wish that getting your child to eat right, move more, and spend less time in front of a screen could be as easy as pushing a button? It might not be that simple, but you do have more power than you know. And you can maximize that power with proven strategies, tips, and tools from the National Institutes of Health's We Can, or Ways to Enhance Children's Activity and Nutrition program. We Can offers all kinds of resources, including fun recipes and activities the family can do together to show you the way to live a healthier lifestyle. We're not saying it's easy. We are saying that it can be done. Take the first step today. Call 1-866-359-3226 for a free We Can Parents Handbook. And be sure to visit the We Can website at wecan.nhlbi.nih.gov for free information, too. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. In just a few short weeks, Minnesotans will begin filing their 2016 income tax returns. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. Thanks, Scott. Joining me now is State Revenue Commissioner Cynthia Bowerly. Commissioner, I understand Minnesota's tax season opens the same day as the Internal Revenue Service. We are opening income tax filing on January 23rd this year. That will be the same day as the IRS, and we make sure that we open on the same day for the convenience of filers. So while most people think about April as the month of taxes, um, you can go ahead and start filing as early as January 23rd. And the filing deadline for this year will be Tuesday, April 18th, rather than the traditional 15th date because of a holiday in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I wanted to visit with you a little bit. I know uh, you folks there at the Revenue Department really encourage tax filers uh, to file electronically. Why is this? Well, electronic filing and then choosing direct deposit for any refund is the most convenient way for you to file your taxes and get any refund. And in 2016, over 2 million Minnesotans used electronic filing software to file their taxes. Um, It really helps uh, taxpayers walk through uh, particular questions. And there's access to free access to that filing software if you visit our website, uh, Minnesota Revenue, and put free file into the search box, you will uh, be directed to a place where you can check to see if you qualify for free access to electronic filing software. And, you know, I I think some folks are always worried about identity theft, but I'm guessing a site like this is, is pretty protected. Yes, of course. Uh, We worry about identity theft as well, and unfortunately, identity theft criminals are targeting the tax refund system. We have seen an increase in this kind of uh, tax refund fraud. Uh, And so, you know, two things that we do. One is when you come into our website, you will be directed to those uh, websites for the vendors who provide uh, electronic filing, and those are secure sites. They all have security authentication in place to help make sure that they uh, are not the subject 
of, uh, of that sort of attack and uh, information gathering. And then the other thing we want taxpayers to know is that we're going to make sure that we are getting the right refund to the right person. And so if an identity th- criminal has stolen a Minnesotan's information and tries to file a tax uh, refund uh, claim on, uh, in their name, we're going to be looking for those very carefully. And what that means is we're going to review and verify information on all tax returns. And given this increase in identity theft and uh, tax refund fraud, uh, some refunds may take a little longer than in prior years because we are spending this time to make sure uh, that uh, criminals are not getting your refund. And, you know, one thing, you know, when you do have a tax refund uh, coming in, it's always fun to kind of track it to see where in the process it's at. And you can do that on your website, correct? Yes, you can. If you go to our website and put uh, Where's My Refund into the search box, you'll come to our Where's My Refund system. And by putting in uh, information that you would know based on your tax return, uh, you can track which of the four stages your refund is in and whether you will need to take any action. There may be an instance where we need more information from someone. That system uh, will tell you that you're getting a letter from us, and when you get that letter, uh, it's important to get back to us with that information so we can finish processing. We also like to remind people that it's important that they don't spend their refund until they see it in their back bank account um, because, as I mentioned, because of this increase in identity theft and refund fraud, um, some refunds are, may take a little bit longer than in prior years. And, you know, I know you touch base on this a little bit, but I always like to stress that there is free tax help out there. How can we uh, find more information on this? So if you go to our website, yes, there are two ways you can get free uh, help with your taxes. One is free filing. There you can get access to electronic filing software. Uh, for certain folks, it is free to access those electronic uh, vendors and their software. The other are free tax preparation sites, which will be opening around the state in the next few weeks. Most free tax prep sites are open from February 1st to April 15th, and they serve senior citizens, people with disabilities, those who speak limited English, and those whose income is less than uh, about $54,000. And that tax preparation site, you will meet with an individual who is trained and certified to prepare taxes, and it will be absolutely free for that individual. So we encourage folks to go to our website, put free file into the search term, and you will get access to those sites around the state. And Commissioner, before I let you go, my last question. Uh, Every time we air this story each year, I always get kind of that one uh, phone call asking, where can Minnesotans still get those paper forms if, if they're interested in doing it that way? In order to get a paper form, all they need to do is give our office a call and we will uh, send that out to them. 651-296-3781. All right, perfect. Well, those are the questions that I had today. Anything else you'd like to add? That's it. Thank you for your help in getting the word out. All right. Thanks, Commissioner. Again, for more information on the 2016 income tax filing season, you can head to the Department of Revenue's website at revenue.state.mn.us or by calling their office directly. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. 
Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. We're gonna win the Twins, we're gonna score. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. As we sit in the middle of winter, let's allow our thoughts to wander towards the boys of summer for a bit. The Minnesota Twins will be coming soon to a town near you. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm has the story. Scott, last week on Minnesota Matters, we heard from Twins radio announcer Corey Provis as it directly relates to the Twins product on the field. This week, we'll hear from Corey about one of the largest annual community outreach programs in all of professional sports, the annual Twins Caravan, which begins January 16th and continues until January 26th. It's an ambitious schedule as always, and Provis is looking forward to the 57th annual voyage across the upper Midwest, and for him personally, his sixth. Well, this year, Mike, is going to be unique for me because for the first time, I'm going on a different leg that I've never experienced before. Um, so come mid-January, I'm going up to Bemidji, I'm going to Duluth, and even International Falls. So I've done the western route, I've done the southern route, I've even gone a little east, but I've never gone north, and I'm excited. Now, the weather in a couple weeks may say, boy, you're nuts, you better stick to the southern route, but, but I'm excited for uh, just a new experience here in mid-January. It's uh, always one of the bigger undertakings, not just in Major League Baseball, but in just sports in general. It's about 50 cities. It covers four states, two full weeks. I mean, this is quite an undertaking by uh, those that organize it, for sure, and the Twins as an organization. I I can't think of another team, another sport that rivals what the Twins do. This is just the most expansive caravan I can think of of any team in professional sports. Uh, They've been doing it every year since 1961. And you can go back and look over the, the, the caravan logs, if you will, Mike, and, and just see the names who have, who have gone on this caravan, uh, from the Killebrews to the Puckets, the Carews to the Olivas to the Mowers, the Mornos, the Hunters, uh, Kadires. All the great twins over the years have all gone uh, on the caravan. And Danny still goes. Ken Herbeck still goes. Uh, Jack Morris is coming along with me on this route. Um, so I just can't think of another caravan winter event that rivals what the twins do not just because of where they go but for how long they travel uh these two weeks the uh each stop usually has its own little life own little mood uh varies from stop to stop but in general terms for those that haven't been to one uh kind of take us through what a stop is like well generally there's about three stops a day and we try to get at least one school in uh, and that's where the bear shines. If you have T.C. Bear with you <laughs> for a school stop, if you're at an elementary school, uh, and more times than not, they're, they're held in, in a gymnasium. And it's fun because the questions aren't geared as to what are the Twins going to do at shortstop? Who's their fifth starter going to be? That crowd pretty much couldn't care less. Uh, that crowd wants to know 
uh, you know, Eduardo Escobar, what was your favorite sport growing up? T.C. Barrett, can you make a half-court shot? Those kind of things really come up. The school stops are really fun. Then the night programs are more or less the hot stove shows. We get more in-depth about personnel, roster decision, and, and, and there's going to be some unknown about how this is going to play out because this will be the first time for both uh, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine to experience the caravan for the first time. The players that go, the former players that go, uh, they, they generally embrace this. Now, you mentioned it can get cold, and I'm sure there's some grumbling at times that, oh, i got to do this. But once they get out there and see the fans again, it's pretty energizing. It was a fun experience last year. I went uh, on kind of a western-northwestern route with uh, Tyler Duffy and Trevor May. And Tyler Duffy is from Texas, and he flew in. He met us in Bismarck. And so he flew from Houston to Minneapolis to Bismarck. And we arrived in Bismarck. It was cold. It was blustery. I'm sure it was snowing, but it was freezing. And here comes Tyler Duffy coming out of a tiny, tiny airport in Bismarck, North Dakota. And he's got a Titleist golf hat on. He's got cowboy boots that are really expensive looking. And he's got like a windbreaker on. And that's it. And th th this ain't going to fly. So we had, to make, we had to make a stop to get him some more gear. Last one for you. When you're on the caravan and you come off of a year, and you've had a few of them now, unfortunately, that you know, aren't exactly top-notch years. Is the crowd pretty receptive still? Are they appreciative that you're making the way out and they get to see the Twins and interact with the broadcasters and former players? Always, but I, I think this year, and, and they're right, I think there's going to be some anger, and I wouldn't be shocked in some, maybe even some low turnouts just based on disappointment, whereas last year the crowds were, were okay because they were coming off an 83-win season. Whereas now, I, I think that there is a sense of, boy, where are we as, as a fan base? And what are we looking at here? Some unknown that may keep some crowds down. I, I, I could see that the, the emotion might be a little bit different this time around. There might be a little bit more anger, some more disappointment than what we've experienced before, just based on what was the worst season in Twins history that we went through in 2016. That's Twins radio broadcaster Corey Provis. For complete details on the Twins caravan, you can log on to twinsbaseball.com to find out when Provis and the Twins will be in your neighborhood. Scott? Thank you, Mike. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.